We're continuing our uh, study, our series on Toward a Purpose-Directed Congregation. And the recordings of the messages are all on our website. Uh, Devar Emmett is a very intentional community. There are specific purposes which direct us. And so we've talked about uh, our, you know, the importance of spiritual growth within this community and maturity, uh, the importance of worship and study and service. This morning, I want to take time to specifically focus on the unique issue of our Jewish identity as a Messianic Jewish community. And if you were here Wednesday night, we kind of spoke about this as well. And so, again, if there's any questions that come out of this, or if you still have lingering questions from Wednesday night, come and talk with me. Uh, but I'm going to ask us to go ahead and read our purpose statement together. Uh, that's on the back, listed on the back of the announcement sheet. All right, together. To grow in our love for God as followers of Messiah Yeshua by our worship and study, so we can then serve and encourage others, both in our synagogue and our greater Jewish community. All right. Uh, I want to read a quick story. Why? I'm not quite sure, but it's good. So I'll read it. President Harry Truman enjoyed telling a story about a man who was hit on the head at work. The blow was so severe he was knocked completely unconscious for an extended period of time. His family, convinced he was dead, called a funeral home and asked the local undertaker to pick him up at the hospital, which he did. Early the following morning, this poor fellow suddenly awoke and sat straight up in the casket. Confused, he blinked several times and looked around, trying to put the whole thing together. He thought, if I'm alive, what in the world am I doing in this soft, satin-filled box? And if I'm dead, why do I have to go to the bathroom? I love that story. Sometimes, because of the circumstances of our lives, we find ourselves in confusing situations. Right? Why am I here? I don't understand. As Jews who have come to faith in Messiah Yeshua, some might consider us the most confused of all. I remember as a child, as a child, as a young person, trying to put this together. What does it mean to be a Jewish person who believes that Jesus is the Messiah? It's an identity confusion. It's an identity confusion most often we struggle with. Something, though, that we must work through. Not clearly understanding who we are often leads Jewish believers to split themselves up, to compartmentalize or to bifurcate. To live almost two different lives. It's a great story. Years ago, a Catholic kid is being raised and, and his entire life is Catholic church, Catholic school, Catholic activities. But his mom and dad, every once in a while, will sit at the piano and sing songs in a language he doesn't understand. And as a young adult, he felt confused until he found out that both of his parents were converts from Judaism. <laughs> And every once in a while, his parents had to eat a little gefilte fish. They had to eat some matzah. They had to indulge in a little bit of Jewish life. Now this kid eventually renounced Jesus, renounced Christianity, went back into Judaism. Because there was confusion as to who he was. There was no wholeness in his life. There was bifurcation. 
And he brought wholeness to his life by rejecting Jesus and just going back into non-Messianic Jewish faith. That is not an uncommon issue and problem in our Messianic Jewish movement. I was just meeting with somebody this week in regards to this very issue. Identity confusion is something that we have tried very hard as a synagogue to make sure we don't encourage, facilitate, or ignore. That we're very intentional about trying to understand it, trying to identify it, trying to facilitate clarity and wholeness. And it's this that I want to talk about this morning in terms of our purpose. And so, as you can see on your sheet, it, the big idea, I think, makes it very simple. It is the unique purpose of our congregation to provide spiritual encouragement for followers of Messiah Yeshua who are members of the greater Jewish community. I don't think we could be clear. And yet I want to make sure that I'm one step clear. Not everybody in the Jewish community today is Jewish. There are all kinds of people married to Jewish people in the Jewish community. Do you know you have children today being raised in in blended families who are not Jewish at all, but they're ending up in Jewish institutions. There are non-Jewish kids going on birthright. Why? (laughs) Because the Jewish community is different today than it was 100 years ago. All right. When I, I love to hear Bob and Barry, you know, Bob from New York, Barry from Chicago, both of them very much the same. They grew up in this amazing, unique Jewish world of the 1950s. Every once in a while, Mildred would talk about Jewish life when she was younger in Chicago. Uh, before that, the Jewish community has changed so much. We need to understand that as a Messianic Jewish community. All right. Not everybody in the Jewish community is actually Jewish, but they are attached to this community, and it's extremely important that for all of us in this Jewish community that we have clarity of understanding, that there is wholeness that we promote and encourage. And so it is the unique purpose of this congregation to provide spiritual encouragement toward this wholeness for people in this greater Jewish community. Now, I want to talk a little bit from the biblical text. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, page 1,428. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, page 1,428. And it's interesting, I think, that the New Testament text, the New Covenant text, provides all kind of clarity. All kinds of clarity on this issue. And uh, I just want to bring out a couple of points and then wrap this up. And I would say if you have more questions about it, you know, um, talk with me later. I wish I had recorded our, our study together on Wednesday night as we went into a lot more detail on some of this. But uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, take a look at verse 17. Now, when, before I say this, I want to point out this is the book of Corinthians written by Shaul, Paul. Uh, he is writing this book to a community that is primarily Gentile. All right? It's in Asia Minor. Corinth is in, it's not Asia Minor, it's Greece. Okay, And yet, through he's going to reference some things here. Shaul, in his efforts, when he goes and he travels around, he is always trying to clarify a couple of key issues. One, people come into right relationship with God through faith alone in Yeshua's atonement. That is a major point. Salvation by grace through faith, to use the very simple phrase. All right? That is his primary objective. All people coming into right relationship with God by faith alone in Yeshua's atonement. That is his primary message. Secondary message is 
If, be who you are. Be who you are. It may be simple, but that is the secondary message. That secondary message is what he is dealing with here in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It says, only let each person live the life the Lord has assigned him and live it in the condition he was in when God called him. This is the rule I lay down in all the congregations. Was someone already circumcised when he was called? Then he should not try to remove the marks of his circumcision. Was somebody, was someone uncircumcised when he was called? He shouldn't undergo brit milah. Being circumcised means nothing. And being uncircumcised means nothing. What does mean something is keeping God's commandments. Each person should remain in the condition he was in when he was called. Here we have uh, a very simple statement. Shaul's perspective was people that are, that are Jewish, they're, they're part of the people of Israel, they're under the covenant at Sinai, need to remain in that position. This is a statement that is dealing with a huge reaction, a very strong reaction going on in the, in the Roman world at that point where many Jewish people, not the majority, but enough, were going and reversing their circumcisions in order to fit back into the Roman world. They were renouncing the covenant at Sinai. They were renouncing their position as Jews under that covenant and giving up their identity. And Shaul is saying, absolutely not. If you were born a Jew, you stay a Jew. But just as amazing, he is saying to Gentile believers in these areas, he's saying, you do not have to become Jewish in order to become a follower of the Messiah of Israel. You do not have to become obligated to the covenant at Sinai. Instead, be who God made you to be. When I became a believer in Yeshua at the age of 15 and a half, the most amazing thing into, came into my mind that I as a Jew could be a believer in Messiah Yeshua and be a Jew just like someone who's Asian, I was thinking at the time of a Chinese person, could believe in Jesus not have to become Jewish. What we believe is this truth, this universal truth that's good for all people. But unfortunately in 2,000 years of faith, actually in about 1,850 years of Jesus' faith, that uh, too often as Jews, we have been told that we need to give up our identity. And there's a lot that can be said about that, but I'm not going to go into it here. Instead, I want to point out simply that the record from the biblical text is very clear. And I'll just give a couple examples. The Jewish believers lived out their faith as Jewish people. That's all we read in the New Covenant text. And that the Gentile believers who were not part of the Jewish community, okay, so we're not talking here about, uh, well, anyway, just keep it simply like that, that the Gentile believers, that they are coming into right relationship with God and living under a very few set of rules. When it talks about instructions here, I think that there are, it's a reference to the fact that there are different instructions for different people in the biblical text. You may go, what? And so, yeah, you know, there's a set of instructions for men and a set of instructions for women. Men are supposed to be following certain rules, women other rules. This is true. Look at the biblical text, you'll see it. And there are therefore different instructions for people who are Jewish and different instructions for people that are not. Acts 15 is the best place to look. Acts 15, very clear instructions for Gentile believers to avoid blood, fornication, idolatry. That's what they're told to avoid, specifically for Gentile believers. Not a word of it in response to Jewish believers. Jewish believers are expected to live out the covenant at Sinai because that's what God gave to the people. 
Now, uh, Acts 22 is an example, and I'm just going to cite it, where Shaul boldly identifies as a Jew and a follower of the Messiah, Yeshua. Some of, you, some of Shaul's statements in the book of Acts, toward the end of the book of Acts, are amazing. Because he clearly identifies himself as an observant Jew. An observant Jew. Second, we see in Acts 21 that the... Uh, uh, the, the early Jewish believers like Shaul, zealous for the Torah. Zealous to, to live out God's instructions. Alright? And so, uh, between Acts 22, Acts 21, and Acts 28, which I can't remember if they're actually in your notes or not, because I don't have that up here. Well, here we do. No, I don't have it on my note. Uh, so, on your notes, under 1A, you can write Acts 22, 1 through 3, and go take a look at it. It's Shaul's statements there about the fact that God has called him, uh, how he's living out his life as a, as a Jewish follower of Messiah Yeshua. And under point B, you can put uh, Acts 21, 17 through 20. But the key point that I'm trying to make from 1 Corinthians 7, 17 through 20, is that it is Shaul's teaching wherever he goes. After preaching the gospel, the good news... That people come into right relationship with God simply by faith alone in Yeshua's atoning sacrifice. That God called people to be who they are. For Jewish people to be Jewish and to stay Jewish, consistent with the covenant at Sinai. Then that Gentile believers are called to be who God created them to be. You know, we say, and we say Gentiles, but the truth of the matter is, is even as we see from the book of Genesis, there are 70 nations out there, uniqueness of all the different peoples that are out there, the different people groups in the world. God loves diversity, and God has called each to be distinctly who they are. Now, I want you to take a look, though, after saying this, take a look at Acts 16. Acts chapter 16 is a fascinating text follows on Acts 15 where it's clear that the, uh, the Gentile believers do not have to become Jews. They do not have to come under the covenant at Sinai. You know, if they want to uh, keep the Shabbat, that's their business. If they want to, you know, uh, you know, give up trait, that's their business. But they do not come under the covenant at Sinai. They are not obligated toward it. That's Acts chapter 15. Acts 16.1, it says, Shaul came down to Derby and went on to Lystra where he met a Talmud named Timothy. He was the son of a Jewish woman who had come to trust and a Greek father. All the brothers in Lystra and Iconium spoke well of Timothy. Shaul wanted Timothy to accompany him, so he took him and did a brit milah because of the Jews living in those areas, for they all knew that his father had been a Greek. Now there's different ways of looking at this text. I think that the best way to look at this text is Balchuva. Here we have Paul, Shaul, going around and saying to people, if you were born a Jew, stay a Jew. If you were born a Gentile, stay a Gentile. Here you have a guy with a mixed background. More than likely raised not Jewish. He's not circumcised because his father is a Greek. There's a very good possibility that he's probably somebody of importance. People don't talk about that all that much. But it's a very good possibility that Timothy is somebody who is the child of an important family. Roman citizen. Every indication for me in the New Testament, Timothy had Roman citizenship. Roman citizenship was hard to get. Unless you were born into it or served in the, in the, in the military. Or you bought it. 
So he's probably not raised Jewish, even though his mother is a Jew, but he has that influence. He becomes a believer in Yeshua, probably against the wishes of his father. Shaul basically says to him, follow the God of Israel. This is not an issue of matrilineal or patrilineal descent. That didn't really matter back then, believe it or not. <laughs> what mattered back then was identity. What will you identify as? Who will you be? So Shaul says, you know what? We're going to have a little operation here. And we're going to bring you back within the people of Israel. Now many of you are aware that many of those who came from the former Soviet Union, many of the men did not undergo Brit Milah. They didn't go through circumcision. And the reason why is sometimes it was dangerous. Sometimes uh, it just wasn't, uh, uh, just wasn't done. All right? Uh, you know, I mean, uh, if we read the biblical account, the people come out of Egypt. They come out of Egypt, they circumcise all the men. All right? Before Sinai. Then they go through the desert. They get to the new country, come to the land of Israel. What do they do? They have to circumcise, circumcise all the new young men, or all the, those who hadn't been. So you have a whole generation born in the desert who didn't get Brit Milah. Does this mean that without Brit Milah they weren't Jewish? No. It meant that they were not living according to the covenant. They weren't following God's instruction. So we have here redemption. We have here a young man, Timothy, who is Jewish, but who's living outside the covenant, who's in disobedience, or is, because of circumstances, it, he just couldn't, didn't do this. It wasn't done. I don't know how old Timothy is. He's probably not that old. He's probably still in his teens, all right? Very probable, mid to late teens, I would say. So Shaul circumcises him. And in doing this, it's not just because of testimony. Everybody likes to point out that for all the Jews in the area, he knew his father had been a Greek. It's about wholeness. Remember we talked about bifurcation? You know, for Timothy, he probably had a sense, well, I'm a Greek. You know, I'm a Roman, I'm a Roman, I'm a Roman. Shaul comes and says, listen, you've now come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah of the Jewish people. By the way, you know, you are a Jew, right? And he said, well, I've never really probably thought about it that way. More than likely, just making up the conversation. So Shaul provides wholeness. In my time in ministry, I have met all kinds of Jewish people who don't even have a Jewish identity. When we were in West Rogers Park living there, we knew a girl with three Jewish grandparents. She was halakhically Jewish, three Jewish grandparents, but the mother had been raised uh, to be Catholic by her father forced the mother who was Jewish to take the kid to Catholic church. All right? So this girl, she kind of can just consider herself Catholic. Yeah? Can you imagine that? You think that's uncommon? Oh, no, no. That's far too common today. I would say that probably fully half of the Jewish children that are out there in America today have almost no Jewish identity. Why do you think the Lubavitch are so busy? It's sad that as Messianics, we're not more busy, focused on redeeming these people. Redeeming them for our people. Part of the problem is because we're bifurcated ourselves. We don't know what does it mean to live Jewish life. Because all too often we ourselves have not lived Jewish life. We haven't been raised in Jewish life. It's our parents or even our grandparents who really were synagogue affiliated people. If you grew up without tradition though, you can learn. You can learn. You can gain an understanding, but you have to be willing to do it. 
Who you are does not, it's not based on what you know, it's who you desire to be. If you are, if you're Jewish in background, then you just need to admit it, and then you need to understand what it means moving forward by learning and living out your life as a Jewish follower of the Messiah Yeshua. If you feel disconnected, incomplete, or hold anxieties due to bad experiences growing up within the Jewish community, determine not to let those feelings keep you from being the person God has created you to be. How many of you went to Hebrew school when you were a kid? Anybody go to Hebrew school when you were a kid? How many of you loved Hebrew school as a kid? You tutored an anomaly. <laughs> My brother-in-law, I don't think he ever went to Hebrew school. He always tried to find, he, he got bar mitzvah, but he basically ran away. When I was a kid in California, I, there was no Hebrew school. All right, not at the, there, whatever there was, but you know. How many people actually enjoyed that stuff? How many Jewish people have bad memories? A lot of Jewish people have bad memories. When my wife became a believer, she, in one, remember she's saying, I'm so happy I'm a Christian now, you know. A lot of Jewish believers, because of what it means to become a follower of Messiah, basically are happy to get away from Jewish identity. But yet we have to take it back a moment and say, well, just a second. If Jesus is the Jewish Messiah, and if I am Jewish, regardless of my personal experience, I need to understand what it means for me to live out my life as a Jewish follower of the Messiah. I need to regain that positive understanding. Last point. If you married into the Jewish community... Live out the example of Ruth, who gave herself wholly to the Jewish people and willingly raised her family as Jews. It's an interesting thing, this last point. I have actually met some wonderful Gentile followers of Messiah married to Jewish people. And in most of those cases, most of them, not in all of them, because I know there are some great examples that we have in our own community and some other communities, but in most of those examples, they have actually literally said to me they have no interest in living a Jewish life for their kids. They're not willing to live out Ruth. They'll have a Christmas tree if there's going to be a menorah. But to singularly raise their kids with a single Jewish identity, most, most families in that situation, it doesn't happen. And it's also one of the reasons there, there is so much confusion among Jewish believers in our movement. Because many of the young people have that kind of a background. Not trying to demean Traditions, family traditions, they, are, they exist, these are the reality. It's more the challenge for us is to try and have wholeness in our homes. All right? To have wholeness in our homes. To make sure that, that confusion is something that if it comes up, we explain it. There's nothing wrong with a Christmas tree. There isn't. All right? We don't have a Christmas tree in my home because I don't want to have the confusion. All right? When I was a kid... We, didn't, we had a Christmas tree once or twice. My father's a German Jew. Okay? Alan Hahn and I always discuss this strange stuff that German Jews do. But, but you know, to be honest with you, it, there can be confusion unless it's explained. In your home, if there are certain traditions that you grew up with, because one of your parents is Jewish and one of your parents is not, and, and you have that sense of confusion, try to process, understand and to move forward. There's, not, there's no reason to denigrate. Because I hear Messianics do this too. You know, Christmas trees are a pagan thing. No, they're not. It's, it's a marketing deal. <laughs> you know? There's money to be made there, you know. Uh, we, we have to be careful. Easter eggs and Easter bunnies. We never did it as it, with our kids. Because we didn't want confusion. But in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with it. I would encourage you, though, if you choose to do these things, to be very clear about what they are. All right? These are just traditions. 
But I would encourage you to consider not doing it because it does inevitably lead to some confusion. And in the world in which we live, and it comes to Jewish traditions, most of us, I know, struggle with just living out basic Jewish life. So depending on your particular situation, you know, the purpose of this congregation is to provide you a place to to grow and develop, not only in your relationship with God, but also in your understanding of who you are as a member of the Jewish community. For you to be able, if you have children, to raise them in a, in a solid, clearly identifiable Jewish environment, yet also as radical followers of the Messiah Yeshua. I'm not interested in us just having a milk toast faith. I'm interested in us having a radical faith. Because that's what Yeshua, our Messiah, would want us to do. Remember, he's the dude who, who ran people out of the temple with a whip. He's not a passive, effeminate-looking Norwegian. He's a short, scruffy-looking Jew who, when necessary, was willing to exert some effort and some energy to push people in the right direction. So let's, let's wrap this up. I encourage you to appreciate who God has made you, uh, made you to be as a member of the Jewish community. All those in our community, everybody, I'm looking around the room. One way or another, you are a part of this Jewish community. And the greater Jewish community. So, you need to appreciate who God has made you. You need to try and understand exactly what specific role you are to play. What God wants to do in and through you uniquely because of who you are. That's what's also amazing, before I go any farther, is you may look at yourself and see all your issues, but you've got to stop that. You have to look at yourself and remember that you uniquely have a purpose that no one else can, can, can uh, perform but you. That as a follower of Messiah Yeshua, there is something that God specifically wants to do in and through you for the building up of his kingdom in whatever way he's going to lead you to do it. And to be excited about it. That's like an adventure to try and figure out what God wants you to do. So appreciate who you are. And I'm so happy for each and every one of you who are a part of this community. And I look forward to seeing what God's going to do with you here in this place. But do you appreciate, this is the challenge though, do you appreciate that? Do you appreciate your God-ordained role? Do you appreciate your role as a follower of Messiah Yeshua? And then secondly, what are you going to do to grow in your identity as a follower of Messiah Yeshua and as a Jew and as a member of the Jewish community? I hope you take advantage of the Hebrew classes. I hope you take advantage of the Sidur classes. If you have questions when it comes to some of these issues, if you want to learn more tradition, you know, there's, there's opportunities all around. But, but I encourage you to consider what, you know, what your role is and whether or not you want to grow and, and better understand it. You know, hopefully you don't have to go under the knife like Timothy did, all right? But, uh, but at the same time, hopefully uh, you're humble enough to, to desire to learn more, to recognize deficiencies in your understanding in the same kind of humility Timothy must have had to go under, to learn and to be more that God wants you to be, not just for your benefit, really, but for the benefit of the Messianic Jewish community at large, for the benefit of the body of Messiah at large, and for the benefit of the world. I still believe the Lord our God has a purpose for our Messianic Jewish movement. That he wants us to be more and more a clear testimony of his faithfulness to our people who desperately need to get it. Desperately need to know the truth of who Yeshua is, but also the greater body of Messiah, the church.
The church is stuck in a lot of ways. And I think if we would be more who God has called us to be, that the church would be glorified, or church would be blessed, and, and our Messiah would be glorified. So give it some thought and chew on it. If you have questions related to this, please talk with me later today.